There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Grant, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Folks, going back to this case, the Ruby Frankie case and Jody Hildebrandt, of course, it's a horrific case. But the prosecution this week has subpoenaed, uh, well, they've actually subpoenaed these records earlier, but hospital records involved in the children of Ruby Frankie. Lawyers in the case uh, against popular YouTubers, Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt, they're demanding the medical records of the two Frankie children who were reportedly found injured and malnourished in August. Prosecutors have been asking for those records for some time, but the judge didn't officially sign off on the subpoena until earlier this week. One legal analyst for um, KUTV News in Salt Lake City, uh, that waiting for a week or more for a judge's approval on a subpoena isn't that uncommon. He's not surprised that the prosecution didn't need those medical records right away. Well, let's face it, uh, Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt are not going anywhere. It doesn't appear that they're getting bailed anytime soon. Uh, the prosecutors proposed the subpoena back on September 14th, but it wasn't signed off by Judge John Walton until September 25th, 11 days later. Well, that might seem uh, like a long time for a piece of paper to be signed. Former Salt Lake County Prosecutor Jeremy Deuce said it's really not. For instance, he said there was a judicial conference earlier this month and the judges might not have been able to sign off on anything. Um, the subpoena specifically asks for hospital records about Ruby Frankie's children on or about August 30th. Uh, Deuce said that the prosecution is likely looking for evidence of older injuries to establish a pattern of abuse. Um, the things I experienced while living with Jody, I experienced being tired. I experienced being duct taped, I experienced being blindfolded, I experienced severe isolation, she told Channel 2 News in an interview on September 11th. That is from the niece, Jessie Hildebrandt. She told Channel 2 News that apparently this duct taping goes back generations and it's a, um, a sign, obviously a horrific sign of child abuse, but it's not uncommon. Uh, Jesse Hildebrandt said those tactics were considered therapy by Jody Hildebrandt. Um, it's common in, in abuse cases to reveal details to doctors that they didn't reveal to investigators. Uh, those statements are frequently found in medical records, although hearsay rules still apply. Um, you know, one of the, the, the scariest things in, in this, of course, is that... Uh, we could find in a lot of abuse cases, 
we find old injuries, broken bones that have healed, and no one was alerted to it. Uh, healed sometimes incorrectly, but that's very common in, in child abuse cases. Um, besides all of the horrific mental abuse that occurred in this case, the physical abuse um, was, was a real thing. And others can even uh, attest to this, that um, this type of physical abuse was not something that was that was unusual. And, you know, going back, uh, I think when we go back to the, uh, to the 911 call, that just has really shocked everyone and showed how horrific this case was. In the eyes of an outsider, we can perhaps appreciate just how bad this uh, this abuse was. I had a 12-year-old boy show up here at my front door asking for help. And he uh, said he just came from a neighbor's house, and we know there's been problems at this neighbor's house. He's emaciated. He's got tape around his legs. He's hungry, and he's thirsty. He has duct tape around each ankle. Yeah, there's sores around him. I think there's a good chance he's been... Uh, he also has. Oh, and he has been around his ankles. I mean, his wrists as well. Okay, this boy has been. <laughs> this kid has obviously been. I think he's been. He's been detained. He's been. He's obviously covered in wounds. You know, if that doesn't get to you and, and pull at your heartstrings and realize that this uh this abuse was severe severe and the two people if it's just two could there potentially be a third could kevin frankie even though he hasn't lived with with his wife uh ruby frankie for 14 months could he have been involved in this too i don't think this is something that just happened overnight but you hear in that man's voice how upset he is in seeing the things that he witnessed on this young boy. And just think of the emaciated. Can you imagine starving a child? I mean, I just can't think of how horrific that is, that you don't feed your child. And obviously, if this child was duct taped, and tied, there was signs of rope cutting into his skin. Just, just horrific. And you know, we we look at this case, and we look at these two smiling individuals here. Of course, on the left is Jody Hildebrandt. On the picture I have showing on the screen, on the right is Ruby Frankie. And then we look at this three million dollar home that she lived in, and the fact that she was being referred clients by the clergy from the Jesus Christ Church of Latter-day Saints. It's horrific. It is absolutely horrific. And also the fact that this has been going on for how long has this been going on? You know? And the other picture I have on the screen right now, there is Ruby Frankie with her husband, Kevin. Uh, how much involvement did he have in this? How does a man not see his children for 14 months and like being bossed around by his wife. Is that 
the type of man you are? Were you, was he intimidated by Jody Hildebrand? Is that why he didn't go see his children? I find that horrific. I find him, give him an assist in this child abuse. And when people deny that he had any involvement, and look at, uh, here we are on the screen, Jody uh, Hildebrandt there. It's, uh, there's obviously some psychological, deep-seated psychological problems on anyone that could do this to children. And then you see her in this picture here. And this poor man who she was his marriage counselor that just not only destroyed his marriage, but destroyed this man. And the power that she has or had, now she's in jail. And hopefully shortly after a trial, we'll go to prison. Of course, she's innocent till proven guilty, as we always say. But these charges uh, and the evidence here are very, very strong. Just, you know, this case is, is disgusting. And so as, as we spoke about it earlier, of course, they want to uh, get the hospital records to this case and see the injuries, in fact, that they had the night that they or the day that they were recovered when they, the young boy ran to the neighbor's home. And then see, of course, how many other times in the past few years have they been to the doctor or been to the hospital? Now, disgraced YouTube personality is still sitting behind bars in Utah, accused of hurting her own children. And as her legal team tries to figure out how to defend her, prosecutors are gathering evidence that could potentially put her away for years. We sit down with renowned former prosecutor Nick Ackerman to discuss what he would do if he were heading up the case against Ruby Frankie. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. So we're continuing our discussion of Ruby Frankie. Frankie, of course, the wife and mother of six who came to fame for her now defunct YouTube channel, Eight Passengers, a channel that boasted more than 2 million subscribers and featured videos about her parenting techniques and her you know folks one of the things that i keep um, sort of focusing on is the fact that someone with a youtube channel with over two million subscribers that is no joke you are talking that she is making extremely serious serious money and the other thing was is that this case being a uh, a case of abuse there's evidence from those shows. And even though it was taken down off of YouTube, law enforcement can recover all those episodes and use them as evidence against Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrand and, if necessary, Kevin Frankie. We spoke on previous shows that potentially Kevin Frankie could be used if they determine that his involvement isn't so deep that the district attorney cannot see it in himself or in the law to offer him a deal, Kevin Frankie would be an unbelievable witness. However, there is a potentiality that he also could be charged. And of course, when you watch his attorney or listen to his attorney, that's never even been discussed yet. Of course not. Life with her husband, Kevin, and six kids 
But things certainly have changed when on August 30th, one of Ruby Frankie's youngest children allegedly escaped from the home of Jody Hildebrandt, Ruby's business partner. This young boy running to a neighbor for help. He was reportedly emaciated and had open wounds. That neighbor called 911, and from there, first responders found another one of Frankie's children inside of the home. Her 10-year-old daughter reportedly... Folks, besides that, the the emaciated state, about uh, besides the op open wounds, besides the fact that they were duct taped, what were they doing unsupervised? So they were being left alone all the time. That in itself is abuse for a 10-year-old boy and an even younger girl. So all of those things, I mean, obviously we can't even uh, minimize the duct tape and the open wounds and the fact that they were malnourished. That in itself is enough to put someone in prison for a very long time. But add to that specifically some of the other things that we're going to find out through this investigation, through digging deep into, not even that deep, let's have their medical records for the last five years. Let's x-ray them. Let's see if they have any healed old wounds, broken bones. Let's examine their body, their skin. Are there potential wounds on their skin that have healed? So all of these things are integral to a prosecution and really very scary. Sometimes you're, you, when you see abusers that are affluent, that are attractive people, it's sometimes hard to believe that, oh, they, this woman, Ruby Frankie, did this to her own children? Jody Hildebrandt was the enabler, perhaps the, probably the defense that Ruby Frankie is going to have is that she was brainwashed by Jody Hildebrandt, that Jody Hildebrandt had this power to brainwash people. Does that make sense? That is what I would think Ruby Frankie is going to use as a defense, that she was powerless by, by this woman who was obviously being manipulated and controlled by the Church of Latter-day Saints because they were... They were giving her clients. They were referring people to her. They obviously were happy with her work. Very scary, right? But this is what we're going to see in this case, in this potential trial. In similar condition, Ruby Frankie and that business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, were arrested. Each face six counts of aggravated child abuse. I should tell you, each charge carries up to 15 years in prison. And we now know that prosecutors are seeking the medical records of these two children, which I imagine will be very helpful in their prosecution. So we've talked about how Frankie may be able to defend herself against multiple child abuse allegations. What about the prosecution? Is this a slam dunk case or is there more involved than we might know? How should prosecutors move forward with this case? Well, I have a very spe special guest to help me answer those questions. You know, folks, a prosecution uh, that goes to a trial is never a slam dunk. No, you know, I don't know where that term came from. I guess we use it all the time. It's a basketball metaphor, but meaning it's going to be easy peasy. There's another little expression. Going to be easy as pie. No, 
No prosecution is ever that easy. And think about how complicated this gets when they, of course, bring in the father, Kevin Frankie. Although he hasn't been around for 14 months, let's dig deeper. Let's go back. Let's see his level of culpability. And what I mentioned before, Jody Hildebrandt, did she have powers of mind control? Did she have Ruby Frankie under her spell? Because I, I tell you the truth, when I see some of these videos of Ruby Frankie, she seems possessed by something, you know? She seems crazy. She seems a little bit nutty, you know? And sorry, those are sort of like police-esque words, but she seems possessed by, you know, uh, something that made her not think correctly, not think right, to do things that were horrific. Is that going to be her defense, that she was hypnotized by Jody Hildebrandt? Let's see. I'm joined right now by Nick Ackerman, a man who knows his stuff when it comes to prosecuting criminals. He is an attorney, former Watergate prosecutor and assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York with decades of legal experience. Nick Ackerman, so good to see you. Thanks for coming here on Sidebar. Great to be here. Now let's talk, you and I haven't spoke about the Ruby Frankie case yet. What are just your overall thoughts on this case? Well, this is the kind of case that if you're on the DA's side of the fence here, you want to be certain that you bring a case that is absolutely going to be a slam dunk and is going to end up being a conviction. And so you really want to be able to cover the waterfront on all of the evidence. Obviously, there's the evidence from the children and the one situation where uh, the police came into this uh, scene. Uh, but there's also a past history that you really need to prove here uh, that really makes this case an impossibility uh, for the defense to, to get around. And that is if you can show all of the prior actions. Uh, and certainly one way to do it is to get a hold of any kind of doctor's records or hospital records uh, where these kids had to be treated at some prior point in time uh, that would reflect that the kinds of issues they had uh, came as a result of parent neglect uh, and something that the parents did to these children. Let's, You know, folks, as I was speaking about earlier, obviously the prosecution uh, subpoenaed the medical records. Going backwards, of course, in the medical records, let's see if there, again, are old injuries that have healed. Um unexplained trips to the emergency room, uh, cuts, bruises, um, the fact that they were duct taped, signs of that, signs of malnutrition, si signs of uh, vitamin deficiencies, perhaps from not eating. These are all things that are indicative of this type of abuse. And th this attorney, of course, is former prosecutor, uh, very difficult to mount a defense for this case because everything was right in your face on the YouTube channel. Let's focus on that because that's some of the more the latest news is that prosecutors have been trying to obtain the medical records of these two children, the son and the daughter, around August 30th when all of this came to light. 
Um, is it the idea that they want these records to not only back up the claims of abuse, or is it to have it prepared in case the children decide not to testify? Oh, I think it's both. I mean, I think even if the children do testify, uh, you would want this kind of documentary evidence because it would corroborate uh, what the children are saying and would take away any defense that this was some kind of uh, made up uh, imagination in the eyes of the children. I mean, I think it's really important uh, that they have these records because records don't lie. Uh, and my sense is these records would go back a good period of time. And, and and you say the records don't lie. I guess one of the limitations or one of the issues could be when were the wounds inflicted or how they were inflicted? How accurate are these records in determining those issues for prosecutors? Well, we're not going to know, obviously, until we actually see the records, uh, but they would be admissible in a court of law as business records, regularly conducted uh, activity, uh, entries that were made at or about the time um, that these incidents occurred uh, and would carry a lot of weight because this would be um, what the doctors observed at the time and what the children said. All of that normally might be considered hearsay, but would be admissible under the business record exception. I, I, I was thinking, should we go into this? And then I was like, do my do the listeners want to get into hearsay? Uh, real quick, real quick, explain that really, really quick, what, what you mean by that. Because, really quickly, yeah. hearsay is just an out-of-court statement. Right. It's what somebody else says out of court that the defense doesn't get an opportunity to cross-examine at the time. Um, what the rules allow is an exception for a business record right? Uh, because it's considered that those are reliable um, and that it gets around the hearsay rule. Let's talk about the kids for a second. So I imagine um, this would be ideal for prosecutors to have these children on the stand to explain what happened to them, allegedly at the hands of Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt. Walk us through how that works in terms of whether prosecutors, how they have that conversation with the kids to be potential witnesses, because we don't even know when this trial would happen um, and whether or not they being on the stand is tough. Walk us through what that's about and how to have actually the kids as witnesses. Yeah, it's extremely tough um, because you're actually asking the kids um, to relive what they went through before. Uh, through a traumatized situation. Um, you're also dealing with children, minors, who aren't necessarily the most reliable witnesses in terms of memory. Uh, and it's really a matter of sitting down with them, going through it step by step. It is going to be a long, laborious process. Um, and you really don't know how it's going to come out because they're not adults. They're not people that you normally... Um, can deal with in the same way that will have a much better memory. Uh, some of this they may have blocked out just because it was so traumatic. Um, so it's not the easiest situation to be in if you're in the DA's office, which is why having records are so important. You know, folks, one of the other things, obviously, uh, is that this would require the children to testify against their parents. How reluctant, perhaps, would a child be to testify, in this instance, against their mom? And to reiterate the things that uh, 
that she did to them. Uh, I don't know if they would have as difficult a time in testifying against Jody Hildebrandt. That might be easier for them. However, uh, testifying against their mother uh, could could be a, a quite a difficult thing to do. So again, this attorney records, uh, medical records, so, so important in this case because they're going to go back. They're going to go back in time. They're going to show a uh, a pattern, a pattern of abuse, not abuse that just started uh, on August, in all, the end of August, the beginning of September, but a pattern of long-term abuse that occurred to these children. The fact that I yell at my kids is a secret. We don't want our viewers to know. Secrets exposed as the child abuse case. You know, every time I watch that, and I, I could, I'll play it back, she seems really, like, demonic to me. That, you know, she seems like she's possessed by something. I really, it's just the way, it's almost like you look at her face. And, you know, facial expressions. Just watch this one more time. Amazingly well-behaved for being in town. Why you like... yell at me? <laughs> Shh. The fact that I yell at my kids is a secret. We don't want our viewers to know. Secrets exposed as the child abuse case against YouTube mom Ruby Frankie heats up. Love is a, is a gift that you offer because you have generated it inside yourself. Utah prosecutors are now digging deep, searching for any and all records related to an alleged pattern of abuse involving Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. The state filed a subpoena on September 14th, asking for medical records of two of Frankie's children, her 12-year-old son and 10-year-old daughter, who were allegedly found malnourished and tied up using duct tape at the end of August. Police say the 12-year-old son escaped from Hildebrandt's home, running to a neighbor for help. This kid has obviously been... I think he's been... He's been detained. He's been... He's obviously covered in wounds. The judge just signed off on the subpoena that states Ruby Frankie and her attorney must provide the medical records dated on or about August 30th for both of the young children. Based on the date requested, prosecutors are specifically looking for the hospital records for Frankie's son and daughter, who were rushed into medical care once law enforcement found them bound in tape, which was found around their wrists and ankles. He was shocked, devastated, hurt, felt deceived, didn't know any of that was going on. He hadn't, he hadn't seen his kids for uh, 12 months or more. You know, this attorney, Randy Kester, I, I, I find him not believable. You know, uh, Kevin Frankie, what man doesn't see his children for 14 months that knows that they could be in a precarious situation, an abusive situation? What kind of man is he that doesn't go insist on seeing his children? And then this attorney just tells fairy tales when questioned about it. I have a real problem with this. And every time I see this attorney speaking on behalf of Kevin Frankie. I want to know what Kevin Frankie's role was in this. Uh, and was he, is he chargeable? Is he culpable in, in this case? And I believe 
The answer probably is yes. The attorney for Ruby Frankie's husband spoke to Law & Crime Network earlier this month, explaining that his client, Kevin Frankie, is still legally married to Ruby, but the two have been separated for nearly a year. Ruby felt like there were differences in their marriage, and at one point, in conjunction with Jody Hildebrand, it was sort of like, uh, we, we have to separate to save our marriage. You know, we'll keep working on our marriage, but for now, you know, if, if you're going to sep- if we're going to repair our marriage and be back together as a family, you have to be away. Folks, it just, to me, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, the other thing, as far as the medical records, just for the 12 year old and the 10 year old, no. You got to get the medical records for the entire family. Every single one of those kids, except of course Sherry and the older uh, boy who were living outside of the house. Perhaps you should get their medical records too, going back five or five or ten years, and to see if they suffered any abuse. So, folks, this is a horrific case, of course. And again, there's the picture on the screen of Ruby Frankie and her husband Kevin, and you can you can believe that. Uh, he had no part in this. I certainly don't believe it. Folks, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to stay on this case. We're going to bring you all the latest news. This was the latest stuff that uh, the subpoenaing of the uh, medical records. And we're going to stay with this and see how this turns out. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon. Everyone have a great day and God bless. One episode. Just ain't enough